Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm the editor-at-large at eSchool News, and I'm glad you found us for another great conversation I'm anticipating. Uh, with me today, Diane Lauer. Diane is the Assistant Superintendent of Priority Programs and Academic Support at St. Vrain Valley Schools in Colorado. Diane, how are you? I'm super great. Thanks great. for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation uh, as we talked before the recording. Um, we wanna focus a little bit on professional development. Now that's a phrase, that's one of those great education space phrases, right? Like, oh, uh, professional development. And it's kind of conceptual, it's almost kind of theoretical. It's definitely vague. <laughs> what does that mean? Is it teacher training or you know, all, all the rest of it? I also, think um, that we need to split this into two conversations, which is BP before the pandemic and then DP and hopefully what we're looking at now, which is AP, which is after the pandemic, uh, and what that phrase means uh, to educators. I suspect around this time last year, um, that phrase took on a, a much different meaning than it had before, am I right? Yes, absolutely. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let's get into it. Uh, the where were you when question. Uh, <laughs> and we're pretty much at that anniversary, right? I know exactly where I was. I was in uh, the St. Vrain Valley Schools Innovation Center. And we, we were hoping we would have another week before our spring break. But it was March 12th. It was a Thursday. And we shut everything down. We knew it was coming. Uh, but that Friday... We sent everyone home and we lengthened our spring break by an extra week for the kids, but we did virtual training that entire week on our digital platform, on our learning management platform, and just uh, what does it mean to be a remote teacher? And thank goodness uh, we have had one-to-one -one technology at the secondary level and classroom sets of devices, iPads and Google Chromebooks for years so our teachers were very tech savvy, um, but nothing, I mean, you know, it, it, it was just like, um, I, I just call it like going dark. Like, you know, we all, we all went home to our, you know, homes and our caves and, and stayed there for two months. Yeah. 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 March 13th. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Uh, I, I, you know, Friday the 13th, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Black Friday. So gosh, I can't wait to not talk about this anymore. No. <laughs> but I do think that, that we do need to talk about it so we can pull some of uh, the best practices. Now, it sounds like your district was already pretty progressive when it came to the use of integrating uh, technology. Uh, how much of that was focused on on a remote setup or a hybrid setup though? Yeah, you know, very little. We, we did not have hybrid learning. We did not have, um, you know, we had, we have one room, we had one remote uh, school up until that point, a virtual school. Uh, and then, um, yeah, we, we were really focused on blended learning. And so, you know, our, our goal has been to provide every one of our students a strong competitive advantage so that they can be sex successful in a highly complex global environment. We have 33,000 kids. We cover 411 square miles. 
Um, we're a high achieving district and our community has invested heavily in our school district. Our families, our local government, our business partnerships value education. And so we know, um, especially being uh, in, a, in a highly tech savvy area, with lots, of, lots of startups, lots of entrepreneurial um, you know, tech companies, that, that our students needed those skills. So we invested about 10 years ago um, started really uh, providing uh, 21st century classrooms for our students. But we never thought that we would be virtual, you know, virtual teachers. And, yeah. um, you know, now we are, and we're, you know, we'll never go back. We will, yeah. we will take everything we learn forward. Yeah. Now, uh, I'll, I'll go back to BP before the pandemic and when I would write or talk with folks about uh, various aspects of professional development, one aspect that was always pretty prominent was a resistance amongst teachers who would either be skeptical of the professional development. Um, we had a phrase for a certain uh, group of faculty that we'd call thwadi. That's the way we've always done it. I've taught chemistry for, for 25 years. I've laminated my chalkboard. This is how I've done it. My kids go on to great schools. There's no reason to do these other things. Um, and that was always kind of part of you know, trying to break through to those folks to figure that out. Now we got in a situation where you taught chemistry for 25 years, one way or the other. You now had to do it out of your living room. Talk a little bit about what you witnessed uh, in terms of a different, um, well, I mean, just the resilience that was necessary for everybody. There was no luxury, right, to say, thank you for these new tools or techniques, but this is what I do, and this is, you know, I'm going to keep it. I mean, everybody was thrown into the pool, right? So can you talk a little bit about watching or helping to influence that transition? Yeah, and I have to tell you, like, you just put a spear through my heart, and I was like, I'm just holding on here, Kevin, because, like, you know, you describe like professional development hostages and I hate those. Like I call it the haul everybody's cookies down to the library syndrome and like lock <laughs> the door and feed them cake and tell them this is awesome. And you know, everybody's got their chair and like, that's my chair and everybody knows where they're at. They're going to be there for 60 minutes. Right. You know, or however long. And then they finally get to, to leave. And you know, I, that, that is not professional development in St. Brain. And, and I am passionate about professional development. And you know, the first thing that you have to have is choice. It has, you have to give people choice. You, it, you have to make a connection to, to the why, and you have to give people lots of opportunities, right? So, you know, it can't be like the choice between, you know, a cutie, like a small orange and a big orange. Like you have to like give people choice. Like here's the produce section. And then you have to educate people and you have to understand like, and you have to ask questions like, what are you noticing about your students? What are you noticing about learning? What are we trying to do together as a team so they can make the connections? And you know, it shouldn't be top down. It shouldn't be like someone is making the decisions and you're going to get the you probably, I don't know, it, the PDs. Oh, that's the other like, oh, I just cringe when we talk about the PDs. <laughs> I had to go to the PDs, like, no. So, you know, that was really hard because, because when the pandemic hit, there was no choice. 
you will learn how to use WebEx. You will learn how to use our learning platform schools. You will, you will use, you know, and many people are already using Edthena, our video platform, so we could coach and collaborate. They're using WebEx, but like I mentioned, um, you know, when we were chatting just a little bit before, the numbers of those were relatively small, you know, and, and this had to be the option. If we were gonna collaborate, we had to get on virtual, um, you know, chats, whether it was Zoom or WebEx or Google, um, you know, Meet. So we had to do those things and you had to know how to do it. So that goes into another um, professional development, um, you know, strategy, which is just-in-time training, which is the best, right? I have a purpose and then I'm gonna get what I need. And so when there is purpose, and I get proximity training, I get the skills I need um, for what I need to do immediately, then, then you don't have as many of those feelings of, um, ah, why do I have to do this? And you know, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. So, so, so that I think is very important. And you know, even um, for the 25 year chemistry teacher or the you know, uh, first year kindergarten teacher, Everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to be able to connect with their kids. And so, you know, you may never have thought that, why would I need to do that? When you know that your kids are in their house and you're in your house, and the only way you can connect with them is through those tools, then you're gonna do it because you wanna connect with your kids. Right. Uh, one one thing that I've uh, heard uh, through conversations talking about students, um, one of the maybe unintended consequences is that there's a certain percentage of students who are like, you know what, I really like learning via Zoom. I really like this remote sort of setup and they're actually thriving in this situation. Have you noticed that um, from a professional development uh, level as well? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Teachers, um, you know, I would say about four years ago, we put together a task force because there were some people who really wanted online professional development. And a lot of people said, oh, no, I want face to face. I want face to face. And then, you know, we'd get the calls like, ah, can you start that PD at 430 instead of four? Because I have to drive, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, um, it was, it was sometimes really hard. There were people, you know, call them the trailblazers, right? There were people that go right away and they're like, oh, I want this, I need this. And then, you know, you got the pioneers and then you kind of have the settlers who are kind of like, hmm, I'm not sure. Why would I want to do that? I am a people person. I want to be around people. Um, but once we started with the pandemic, um, and thank goodness we had that task force four years ago because we designed, we researched, we designed what is best professional development online. And we trained a lot of people to be able to provide online professional development. Um, but still the synchronous piece with the, you know, the, the virtual um, WebEx or Zoom, that wasn't so much. We were doing a lot more um, asynchronous learning and maybe some some curated videos and things like that um, but being able to have the technology with the breakout rooms and 
mean, everything's so much more advanced than it was four years ago. Um, yeah, teachers, I, I, I know we'll have face-to-face, -face, but I bet post-pandemic, we'll probably be 50-50 face-to-face, um, online blended. Mm -hmm. um, we may even be like 60-40. I, I think the thing that we're really thinking through now is what what does being physically present give us do you know what i mean like yeah how might we optimize our time through synchronous or you know or asynchronous doing and let's do an example like we're we have a um training right now that's ongoing we have a district-wide implementation of uh wilson foundations which is an amazing program to help with reading foundations and prior to the pandemic, we were doing it all face-to-face. -face. So come in for a Saturday, a whole Saturday. And then you'd, you'd have that. Now um, we do an hour synchronous, three hours of asynchronous, go in and do your own. Then we bring people back synchronous for question and answer. And, and the, the feedback is tremendous. So I think kind of this, this blended approach where people get choice, they get some autonomy, they get to work on their own, and then they still have that collaboration time. I think that we will, you know, when we're allowed to congregate in larger numbers over 50, um, we will, you know, be able to bring in some additional face-to-face, -face, but shouldn't that, shouldn't that personal time be in the classroom? Like, I don't know if we need to haul everybody's cookies to a big old room and, and have people sit around tables and, you know, feed them donuts and stuff. Like the face-to-face -face time can be in the classroom with another second grade peer or first grade peer, or, you know, they could be capturing video while they're in their class and then sharing it with other people across the district. That's the other thing. Like, you know, our ability to collaborate with people outside of our schools. We have over, we have approximately 60 schools and, and school learning sites. So to be able to collaborate um, with people outside of your own um, school is, we'll never go back to, to not being able to do that because we have the technology to do so. Yeah, it seems like the other behaviors, you mentioned video, um, you know, covering professional development tools over the past number of years, a lot of times there are a lot of new product uh, announcements where, and we're going to install a 360 degree camera in your classroom so we can help you, you know, with your teaching. And there are teacher unions, <laughs> teachers themselves saying um, no, and because beyond privacy issues of, of students, but just a, maybe a hesitation um, for being on camera. Um, do you think that's something that will change now? Uh, that that well, the teachers will well, be more comfortable? I never liked being, yeah, I never liked being on camera, but I've done it for a year now. And so yeah. now I'm like, I know my what my hair looks like and, you know, I know my face. And so, you know, I, you don't have that shock as much that mm -hmm. I think that being on video and, you know, the Nash people who went for national board certification, like they, they knew all the time, like they have to go through that process of watching themselves right. to get that credential. Um, but for most folks, um, you know, in a lot of colleges, when you talk to, to um, teachers, 
who are fresh from college, they're like, yeah, I used to video myself all the time. And, you know, my, I would get feedback from my professors. But when they got hired and the school district didn't continue doing that, then they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that again. It was almost like we missed the chance. Like they had this practice, like you need to sustain it. So I I do think that people are much more, um, much more comfortable with being on camera and have gotten past like watching themselves. Right. Clearly. Clearly. How about with the um, the other aspect of professional development, BP, which was a lot, I mean, maybe even further going back where a lot of time was spent learning how to use the technology itself, yeah. right? Yeah. And now you see, you mentioned last spring about like figuring out Zoom. I'm going to assume it, you, it had to be easier to get the ropes of just learning how to use this technology than say 10 years ago when you were trying to log somebody on to a a learning management system, right? I mean, after just like the basics of the the first couple of weeks of getting people set up, was the using technology part of your professional development strategy or had you already moved on to more sophisticated stuff like instructional strategies and other things? That is such a great question, Kevin. And so, you know, when we started implementing our learning technology plan, um, we we began documenting uh, our time, uh, our coaches' time, and what they did. And you were talking about device operations. Device operations is one of the things. So when our coaches would do training or coaching one-on-one, small group, or or whole group, uh, because when we we put out twenty-four thousand iPads or whatever, like we have learning coaches who support teachers. They're embedded in the, in the classrooms and the schools and things like that. We, we had a, an instructional coaching log and, and we wanted this data because we wanted to see how much time we were spending on device operations as opposed to instructional coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And what we, my hypothesis was totally wrong. I thought there would be a ton in the beginning and then it would just kind of go away forever. And it doesn't because technology is always changing. There's always going to be training specific to technology for for a bit. And that's typically in the beginning. And what we've seen because we've done this all year is we see it in the beginning of the year because for some people like, oh, I just got an iPad. I never had an iPad before. Or now I have this, that, or the other thing. So there's a spike and then the device operations goes down and instructional coaching goes up and sustains because now I need to know how to use it. I'm going to talk about pedagogy. I want those things. And then people go home for their two week winter break. And then teachers don't stop working. They are like, you know what? I've always wanted to try this thing, or I've always wanted to try that tech thing. So they get excited, they get encouraged, and then January comes, boop, we get that spike again Hmm. with device operations. And people want to know how, okay, now I want to know how to use Paradise. Okay, now I want to know how to use Athena. Now I want to use this. And then we see the, the tech device operations go down, the instructional plateau, and then we see the same thing over the summer, right? Because teachers don't stop working. They go home over the summer and they're like, I get, I want to try something new. And then boop, 
the spike comes back up again in August. Isn't that amazing? That is interesting. We've yeah. seen that six years in a row now after yeah. we've collected data. That's amazing. Let me ask you another question um, about this transition. Um, starting this time last year, you inherited an entire core of uh, power professionals, right? Of parents becoming teaching assistants, not only um, just in general, but also through the use of technology. Now, I've, I heard some stories about the students being technical support for their parents more than the parents being technical supports for the, for the students. But talk about that. Did you, did you have to ha adjust anything or did that become part of your mission in terms of um, going from professional development to something that I want to coin, maybe I want to get the trademark on this, but parental development? Parental development, I love it. You know, I what I've seen the most of and what I've heard our teachers talk about um, is the feedback that they've gotten from parents mm. and other caretakers about their instruction. And I know this because my niece who lives in Chicago has been remote learning. She's a sixth grader and my sister and my mom. So, so it's my niece, her mom and her grandma hide in the room and are so enthralled with learning. And like, they're at the end, like, that was so great. I never knew that about, you know, yeah. whatever the revolution before, like that was great. And, and so I think the feedback that our, that our teachers have been getting from parents, like that was really engaging or that was really fun or, you know, like, or, and like, wow, I see my son struggling and he needed more time. And when you explained it this way, that really helped him. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, teachers, we have not, we're not used to getting that kind of parental feedback. You know, it would be feedback from, you know, we'd see an assignment go home or, you know, we have always wanted to have um, strengthening school to home partnership. Like that's, mm. that is so important, but nothing has been like this where, where parents who, who have the, the good fortune and opportunity to, to have been at home with their children to really engage in learning and see that. I, I think that has greatly benefited um, our profession because they see the complexity, they see the intentional scaffolding. And, 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 you know, I hear from parents all the time, like that teacher has so much energy. She just must go home and sleep because she's <laughs> on when she's on camera, she is on. And I'm like, yes, that's true. Um, so yeah, I, some, some, yeah, it was a, it was a little zippy in the beginning with the technology getting yeah. everybody but that you know that went pretty quickly and it's the instruction it's the pedagogy that i think um you know enthralled the families and the teachers because it was so new yeah i mean as, as a parent um i have never had more interaction with my kids teachers this year than in the 15 years they've been in between kindergarten and college, right? And and another guilty pleasure too, and I and I realize the privilege that I have, but to be able to listen to them in class yes. and to listen to my 
son in the kitchen and he's taking Chinese language class and talking Chinese in the kitchen while he's making a bagel. I mean, that's like pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It is so cool. And, and it to really see the friendships and how your child is interacting, yeah. you know, and and also like you know, when you see the children have like these deep discussions and the turn taking like, well, I disagree with what Kevin is saying. And I think my opinion and here's some my reasoning why and and I, it just, you know, it was just it's just awesome for families to see their children in that light. I, yeah, and, and one other aspect I want to ask you about mm -hmm. is uh, from this from the student perspective, uh, I remember writing editing a lot of stories about digital natives and about how this generation of student is already so much comfortable with technology that they don't necessarily need any sort of training or, or things are going to be different not necessarily true where they actually were adept in using the technology they were not adept in terms of the behaviors of of using the technology for either just social behaviors but also in terms of learning um, has there been a leapfrog effect because of this forced um, beta test? <laughs> and yeah. uh, do you see us going back from that at all? Or is this something that is only going to accelerate in your opinion? Well, you know, I, um, we're already talking about maybe creating a school or a school within a school that that's hybrid. There are some students who, you know, who found out like, they really like going to school two days a week and not going to school two days, like that that really works for them. Um, we created a brand new virtual school kind of out of nothing overnight so that we could have a place for um, families who knew that, you know, they didn't want to do the, you know, whatever was going to happen with remoting right. and quarantining. Like right. they're lockdown, like, open out. up, lockdown, open yep, up. Yeah. We're done. And, 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 and a lot, well, I mean, some of them, the great majority are coming back, but a, several hundred or more um, are like, wow, this is, this works for our family. This works for my children. We're seeing families, and you probably know this too, who, um, this didn't work for my oldest child, but it was a score for my youngest child. And so families now having, having this knowledge that, you know, what works for their kids and the children who have the, the agency to be able to say, I know what I like, I know what works for me. Yeah, I just wanna be able to go in those folders and boom, 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 I wanna be able to do my stuff, check in with someone, you know, it, it's just amazing to to hear even, even um, primary school age children have that level of um, not self-knowledge, right? That they're yeah, like a, a, meta, a, a meta recognition of their, like, right. their learning journey in their third grade. Right. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still looking for mine, you know? I'm, <laughs> they're amazing, they amaze yeah. me. So. Uh, well, talk about, um, going forward i knew the toughest part of this conversation would be to to end it but we are starting to uh edge up on our time here talk about i mean we've, we've already identified a number of things that you think are going to stick around um can you give us your when it comes to professional development maybe just a, a horizon a, a short-term horizon for say next fall if we're back to normal and then maybe in in, in three years when the dust is really settled 
just a kind of like a, a best case scenario that, that you see uh, going forward? Well, the, the most important part is making certain that for, for the new folks that we hire, especially like who haven't had a chance to teach like this, we're going to have to make sure they have a chance to teach like this because mm -hmm. this was, this was a window in time that, you know, the current staff of 2,500 teachers in my district, like they experienced and they know how to do this. And so I'm thinking about how, how do we, you know, how, how do we continue to do this? Because we'll, we'll, we'll use remote instruction for a lot of different things, even if it's not whole class, but one of the things that our teachers love is one-on-one -on -one support and help and being able to provide small group help and support um, and creating instructional videos and being able to um, collaborate. So I think that um, going forward, we're, we will have some entry-level you know, support to get people into using these tools, but we don't you know all the all the energy and curating curating lessons like that shouldn't stop like whether that goes for us you know in seesaw or in schoology like that should be able to continue because i hate to say it like there's always you know we live in colorado there's always a kid who's going to go skiing and break his arm and then he's out you know for a week and then you know we've always said like well, you know, it was so much harder to like, let's, let me make some makeup work, you know, making yeah, makeup yeah. work is like, what? Like, and makeup work is never at the rigor or, or the intention that the real work is. So when you have everything curated for everybody all the time and you have the tools, then, then whether that child is out or on vacation or, you know, you have that ability or you have students who need more time, right? Mm -hmm. Just listening to you once explain it wasn't enough before the pandemic. So now having it curated in a video is going to be like they can go to a station and so they can hear it again, they can hear it again. They can take it home on their iPad and when they're working with their caretaker, their mom or their dad or whatever, they can say, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Right. I think right. that, you know, our, our, our teachers who are our mentor teachers, um, because after quarantine, like during quarantine, like we weren't allowed to mix people or you can't go in that room. You know, everybody loves to observe other teachers teach, right? but I can't go into that room because I might contaminate or if I'm there more than 15 minutes and there is somebody with COVID, then I have to quarantine for four, I mean, all that crazy stuff. But now we can take a video of that class, just like we've done, and we can have people come in and watch that. We don't have to be in the class. Right. And all that schedule changing like, hey, can you cover my class during my lit circle so I can go watch Kevin do his lit circles and so on and so on. With video, we don't have to do that. Someone can snap capture some video, share it, and then that person, whenever they're free and available, they can watch it. So I, I think that, you know, I hope that we keep that mindset that 
we don't have to let distance, time, or geography constrain our professional development. Hmm. We have the tools, we have the capacity, and I hope we continue to give folks choice to make those decisions on what's going to be best for their personal practice to be the best professional they can be. That's a really several powerful insights there. Uh, one I want to ask real quick before we wrap up, uh, what I think is uh, really interesting when you say that the, basically the current teaching corps, they're, they're veterans of a war. That's right. And when things go back to normal, whatever that is, other, other folks will be coming in and not having had shared at least the teaching experience of it, right? I mean, I, it's pretty safe to say, I think we've all had the Zoom <laughs> experience at a base level. Don't have to level. take it that far. Right. Uh, but so is that a responsibility of the education colleges? Like, is that a responsibility of you as a district, uh, both? Both. It's a yeah. responsibility of us, of us together. You know, I, I, we, we all have to, we all have to be thoughtful to make certain that this next generation of educators has the skills, has the resilience, has the uh, independent mindset to be a self learner um, is, is uh is able to take learning risks, is able to be vulnerable, to learn, I, all, all those things um, in a very safe context. That's good stuff. Diane, thank you so much for your time. Uh, yeah. there's, there's a lot here uh, to unpack, as, as they say, but I think uh, folks who are watching now, myself, we can use these for, for further conversations going forward. So I really appreciate your time and, and your, your innovations. It was great being with you, Kevin. Have a super day. You too. And thanks everybody for watching. I hope you click around for another episode of Innovations in Education. Thank you.